0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Starscream's Ghost, a Transformers podcast. I am Jeremy Graves, but I am not alone, because as per usual, I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Andy Hanley. Andy, how's it going today? It's,
1: it's going well. It, 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 is, it is a plague of me. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> trying to be topical. To. No, fair. I just It was that moment of... Uh, Wait a minute, you're a plague? I don't know how I feel about this, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. You, you, may, you, you may agree by the end of this podcast, who knows?
0: Exactly, right? Folks, today we are here to talk about the final three episodes in Season 1 of the Transformers G1 cartoon. That being Episodes 14 through 16. And Andy, just to kind of start it right off the bat like we sort of do before we actually start talking about the episodes proper... Quite an interesting mix of episodes, and I really liked them all for, I think, very different reasons. Just each one felt very unique in
1: its own right, and they were just good fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like these maybe aren't as strong for me as, like, either of the previous couple of batches that we've watched, barring maybe Plague of Insecticons, which, as I mentioned last time, is kind of one of my my personal favourite episodes. Um, but uh, but yeah, these these are all pretty good. And like you say, they all kind of have their own thing going on. Um, I did kind of realise watching this, I don't think I've ever watched Heavy Metal War before. Like, I think that's actually the first time that I've seen this that particular episode. Or I have very few memories of it. Because that one was a surprisingly like, oh, this is all, barring some stuff that I feel like I know from the sticker album I had as a kid, this is all kind of <laughs> new to me.
0: Yeah, it, I it, we'll get onto that proper in a moment, that episode. But... There was just a feeling where one... I think... Ironically, I think for me, Heavy Metal War was the most familiar out of all three because I vaguely remembered kind of the crux of the story involving how Megatron got to the fight, which we'll get to in a few moments. I kind of vaguely remembered that happening, but otherwise these were kind of pretty much just like blank to me in terms of what to expect.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's doubly weird that I don't remember Heavy Metal War because that was one of the most kind of heavily... Released on on VHS episodes like that got multiple releases, mostly like mislabeled as Heavy Metal Wars plural. But hey, what's an S between friends? Um, but yeah, so it's kind of weird that I I don't really recall anything about it. Of all, it's the only episode of this season where I've been like, oh, I don't really remember any of this. It is funny sometimes when you go back and watch things, be
0: it you know cartoon, film, or something like that. But it is funny sometimes how just there's a there's some things that you just totally forget after so long but then there are other things when sometimes you just wonder why do i remember that <laughs> it yeah, is wonderful yeah. how those details sometimes are just very very different
1: yeah yeah i've certainly been been having plenty of those moments watching uh watching this show and uh yeah like it, it's often the, the the little bits like i can remember you know big chunks of episodes and there are little things like oh yeah this was a really cool thing i remember enjoying as a kid but i it completely fallen out of my head and before we go any further everybody should make note that if you want
0: to watch the episodes of the transformers we're watching them via the hasbro pulse youtube channel it's a completely 100 legal and completely free as well channel to watch on youtube all of the episodes of each season are on there and that is how we have been watching the episodes and will continue most likely we'll get to that at the end to be watching the episodes of the transformers if you want to reach out to us on social media we do have an instagram and a twitter you can find us under the username at starscreams pod and if you would feel so inclined and want to email us you can do so on the email address starscreamsghostpod at gmail.com so andy you know what let's, let's just get trucking along i'm in the mood for it let's get right onto the first episode today episode 14 of season one Heavy Metal War. And I'll be honest, Andy, when I saw the episode name was Heavy Metal War, I was expecting a guitar solo. I never got one.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, I was just waiting for it. <laughs>
1: yeah, this also feels like one of those titles that maybe doesn't particularly fit the actual thing. It feels like that was a, a, an episode title that somebody wrote down and like, oh, that sounds really good. We'll use that. And they couldn't really figure out where to put it. So it ended up against this episode. So... I'm already taking this on a tangent. Might as well roll with it.
0: Oh, bad pun, but whatever. So, as far as you're aware, was a season two of Transformers already greenlit while season one was in production slash airing, or or not?
1: I'm not sure. Um, I'm not even sure like what the timeline is of like how quickly season two came along after season one. I mean, given the amount of episodes season two got, I would imagine at the very least they were really confident that there was going to be more of it. And I, and I know why you're asking the question relating to this episode. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it, it's it. it I, I suspect that they were at least given kind of a nod of like, yeah, you're, you're probably safe that there's going to be a bunch more of this because, you know, the toys are flying off shelves. Because I mean, by this point, I guess, you know, Transformers had become a thing, like, well and truly, so I imagine there wasn't too much danger of it just, like, going away after, like, 16 episodes.
0: Yeah, because partly the reason I, I mentioned the question was that you you said, like, it's a really good title, but in the context of the episode, does it really fit? It kind of makes you wonder how all out for ideas, in terms of how much they threw into season one, did they have going into production maybe thinking this might be a one and done.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I mean cuz I mean I guess this stuff would maybe have been decided, you know, before there was any kind of like certainty over a, a second season. I mean, I I suspect it's maybe I may be being harsh in that they put a lot... actually put a lot of thought into this episode title. It's like, well, Megatron's metal and he's got all these powers, so he's heavy and there's a war. But, I mean, I don't know. That sounds like a stretch when I start saying it and it comes out of my brain. So, yeah, maybe... Who knows? Who knows?
0: Or is the alternative, Andy, that old thing we've talked about, where was it that they wrote the episode and they suddenly went, crap, I need a title. What the heck can I call it? Um, um... Heavy metal war. Yeah, absolutely (laughs) possible. Absolutely. So, we begin the episode with a panning shot across a construction site that sees an energy disc, which we're told at the start is going to be tapping into the power of the Earth's magnetic field, providing all the heat and electricity needed. Suddenly, some green-coloured heavy-duty vehicles come towards the site, but there's confusion from the humans there because... They didn't ask for any more, and then they notice no one is driving them. We then hear an ominous voice emanating from one of the green machines saying, quote, Right, no one drives us, stupid human. We are the Constructicons. We drive ourselves, end quote. These machines proceed to use their muscle to steal not only the energy disk machine, but also a power converter too. And for good measure, just trash a bunch of the other vehicles that were there as well, because they can. We then see each of them transform, and the leader of this group makes it known that they have done what they, they intended to do. Now they're going to return to their leader, Megatron, confirming they are Decepticons. Then they fly away. We now cut to what we come to find out is a temporary cavern style base for the Decepticons. And we learn here that it was Megatron that built the Constructicons. They return with the parts that they stole, and we are formally introduced to each of them. Scrapper, who is kind of more the leader of the pack, if you will, is a front end loader. Scavenger is a power shovel. Mixmaster is a cement mixer. Long haul, a dump truck. Bone Cruncher, a bulldozer. And Hook is a crane which kind of obvious given the name perhaps but just to clarify while the parts are being fitted into a device that being the parts that were stolen i should say they are being into a device that we can't see what the heck it is megatron is boasting but starscream who for a good couple of seconds here andy looked like thundercracker not sure if you noticed that that was kind of weird but either way he makes a jibe about how oh you sounding so confident sounds very familiar megatron but Megatron is very confident because his plan will, quote-unquote, allow me to strike at the Autobots through Prime's only weakness, his overdeveloped sense of honour, end quote. Let's talk about what we have seen so far, Andy. Uh, I completely forgot how the Constructicons just came to be in the context of the series. I loved this introduction to the constructacons It was such a cool, unexpected way of doing it. Just really slaps you in the face. And also establishes that they're not dumb either. Like, Scrapper has got a proper brain to him and whatnot on it. And it's... I just love the introduction. And also, I forgot... Uh, in sort of thinking back through Childhood Jeremy, I, I've i always had an attachment to the constructacons and I'm pretty sure it's because the green and purple colour scheme just looks so damn cool. It always has, it always will. And I love this introduction to the Constructor
1: Cons. Yeah, I mean, the Constructor Cons are undoubtedly cool. Like in, in the Transformers World, they were like the first Gestalt as well. So, like, that was like, as a kid, that was like, what? They're robots and you make a bigger robot? Like, nothing is cooler than that. Like you know, who cares? One of them's a cement mixer. Like that's all. That's all awesome. Who, by the way, like probably has like the. I, I really love Mixmaster's weapon that he just kind of like turns things to just goop with this particularly kind of goopy sound that accompanies it. It's like some really good Foley work as well. It's like yeah, I I I'm one hundred percent behind Mixmaster. Um, the the thing that. I maybe don't like quite so much compared to what we've had in recent episodes is there's not really much of an origin story here rather than just like, yeah, I made them from Megatron. Like, you know, you think about the Dinobot stuff and how it was a very, you know, there was an entire episode, de- well, two episodes dedicated basically to their creation in, in various forms. Then, you you know, you had kind of Skyfire on the other end of that um, and will come to the Insecticons later, like who all get sort of kind of interesting sort of backstories, whereas this feels like a bit more of a phoned in, just like, how do we get these into the show? Ah, Megatron makes them, and then that's it. Like there's no, there's no real kind of narrative be- behind the how or the why, which is kind of, you know, because the Constructicons are sort of interesting because they're the first like kind of road vehicle Decepticons as well. Like, you know, up to that point, they're all kind of, you know, planes and jets and, and other stuff compared to the Autobots that are almost all cars for some reason. Um, And so, yeah, I I do wish there was a bit more kind of deep lore to the Constructicons rather than just like, yep, here they are, we made them.
0: That is actually a very fair point, now that you've mentioned that. I I was just so happy to see that I didn't actually think about that element of it, (laughs) I'll be honest. Though it does make me wonder, is there ever kind of, from what you know, is there ever like an elaboration of their origin in Season 2? Or is it just
1: they're there? I don't. Think so. I mean, they, they, their creation was a, is a big part of like the the comics law, um, where basically I think like Shockwave creates him like using you know the creation matrix out of Optimus Prime's brain, and that's like a really big sort of moment, which you know again is kind of like an interesting thing because it's a big it's the big culmination of like this entire long story arc about you know the the creation matrix, um, but no, I don't think the cartoon ever gets into it much it's just like they're here and there you go and then i mean you know once you get into the late seasons they quickly get usurped by the other gestalts that they're trying to sell to kids anyway (laughs) so apart Uh, from in the movie where they they make a big comeback again there you go i was gonna say ah the old thing of a new toy is the new thing that you promote
0: (laughs) at autobot hq Ironhide picks up a signal that resembles that of a decepticon based, like Decepticon-based antics, if you will. It kind of appears on his monitor on his screen. But suddenly, one appears in the sky, and it's only flipping Megatron himself, just gone to Autobot HQ on his lonesome. After some attacks from like Bumblebee, which who suddenly looked like Cliff Jumper for a moment. I don't know if you noticed that, but that was a weird colouring issue there. Uh, Wheeljack and Ironhide got involved, but Megatron makes it known he's simply there to talk. He says that this that this is a matter about Cybertron lore. Their war has gone on for millions of years, but now it is the time when the leaders must fight to end it. The loser and their party must exile themselves to themselves to deep space for all eternity, and the winner can go and stay wherever they please. Prime accepts this challenge, and Megatron's plan is already in motion. There was a wonderful line from Wheeljack, by the way, I want to make mention of in here which was, uh, there was a moment when he attacked Megatron, and he was like, ah, let's see how he likes my new shock blast cannon. He fires it, and Megatron just, like, bats it back at him, and then his reaction to that, that
1: being Wheeljack's, was simply saying, that's a shock, all right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, these episodes are are, are good for, like, Wheeljack getting a taste of his own medicine and (laughs) making a pithy quip, in fact, because, yeah, there's there's one a, a, a bit later on as well. Back at Decepticon HQ, Scrapper's device is now
0: complete, and it turns out it is a strength transfer machine. Megatron stands inside, and each Decepticon must contribute a power chip rectifier into the exchange furnace. Not a sentence I thought I'd ever be saying, but there you go. For the process to be completed. The general idea is that each Decepticon needs to give their chip into the machine. Megatron will get a power or more strength from that respective Decepticon, Basically just supercharging him leading up to this gladiatorial style fight with Optimus Prime. Starscream really doesn't want to to like give his chip away because quite frankly, he needs it. But he also quote unquote raises a legal point that the Cybertron code states that the fight must be fought equally with no additional reinforcement. Thus meaning that Megatron's power boost would be cheating. But Megatron doesn't care, he just wants to win by any means necessary. Megatron receives the power boost and now possesses seemingly all of the Decepticons' abilities and powers too. Andy. Do you reckon Megatron could have built this before he built the Constructicons? Or did he build the Constructicons specifically to build a device like this? Because
1: this feels like he might have been able to do it in an earlier story for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It it does feel like that's kind of what they're angling towards, because they do sort of, like, posit the Constructicons as people who can construct things, and that maybe they have, like, an intellect for building complex systems that the Decepticons don't. But given that they built a space bridge, (laughs) like, you know, not that long before, which, to be fair, did blow a bunch of stuff up before Mm. they actually got it right, so there is that. But yeah, my, my, my... my take on it was that, yeah, only the Constructicons could have done this ago. They had to be created to to create said device. And also, just as as, as happenstance, it's also some, some toys that you should buy, kids. There was the other element from my
0: point of view where I just thought, you've got Shockwave on Cybertron. Like, he's pretty damn smart. <laughs> but, no, like I say, I like the Constructicons. Why am I complaining? So... With the transfer complete, Starscream raises another point that that Teletran 1 could very easily detect that there is deception going on and will alert Optimus Prime. But this is where Megatron's other element of his plan is now coming to light, because the Constructicons begin tunnel digging, with the destination ultimately being inside the Autobot control room, so that they can destroy Teletran 1 while everyone else is watching the battle between Megatron and Prime outside. Now, for context, we're led to believe at this point that the Autobots are completely unaware of the Constructicon's existence, hence why they wouldn't be out there watching the battle themselves. At Autobot
1: HQ, Spike... Uh, I was going to say Spoik, but that that didn't Spoik. come out right. <laughs> that's, that, that's, the, that, that's the Bristol version of Spike that you don't get to see in this show. <laughs>
0: At Autobot HQ, Spike, Chip, and Spark Plug raise their concerns about this battle, but Prime believes it will be a fair fight given the Cybertronian lore involved. Silly Prime. Then they transfer, they transform, sorry, and head out to a desert location, Andy. Once again, we get mm. our, we get our weekly dose of desert location here. <laughs> and there is an awkward transformation error moment, which I don't know if you noticed this, But when they arrived at the desert, everyone goes from being car to original form, if I just say. But for some reason, the animation of Ironhide was him transforming from, like, robot to car.
1: Well, and, then I mean, they, maybe, and then they cut to maybe, someone else, and then suddenly he's back to his normal form. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he got the wrong memo. And it's just like, what, you want me to be car Just It's like, oh no, it's like that embarrassing thing, you know, when, when like people are marching and one guy just turns the wrong way. It's like, it's the Autobot version of that, I guess. <laughs> the Decepticons arrive, and Megatron is
0: feeling... I feel saying the words very confident is an understatement. Like, this is like the most confident Megatron's ever been to this point. That's how I'm going to phrase this. And everyone takes their positions to watch on from the sidelines. Now, Andy, I need to point out what might be my favourite moment of the entire series so far.
1: I, I, I hope this is the moment that I think it is because I was like, I really enjoyed this moment as well. <laughs> there is a wonderful moment when
0: Soundwave is the prime focus on camera. He ejects the ravaged tape deck. Soundwave then sits down. During this time, Ravage is now transformed, and Soundwave pets Ravage.
1: Yeah, i, it's the, I be- really it's the best. It's the best. I now want an entire like like slice of life spin off series that's just like. Soundwave, but Ravage is just like his domestic pet and he just like you know gets home late from work and Ravage is hungry and you know has to clean out Ravage's litter tray and you know just like Ravage just curls up on his lap and they watch TV or listen to a tape maybe I don't know. And then Rumble complains he's hungry or something. <laughs> yeah 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 just <laughs> living with the sound waves our new Netflix original living with the sound someone has got to have done that somewhere <laughs> There's got to be if a thing have, about that. Yeah, If they haven't, we are available for pictures, so please get in touch.
0: And uh, in our weekly dose of, um, of Autobots learn something about human history, Chip said to Ironhide as they were approaching the area where the fight was going to take place, doesn't this remind you of the ancient gladiatorial combats from ancient Rome? Ironhide responds with, it would if I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> to which then Chip then says, it's Earth history, Ironhide. Skip it. <laughs> the two combatants shake hands, and Megatron delivers the first blow simply just by throwing Optimus Prime like he was absolutely nothing at all. Prime is dumbfounded at the strength of Megatron. We see Megatron start to utilise abilities of his fellow comrades, including Starscream's Cluster Bombs and Null Ray, Rumble's Earthquake-inducing Ground Stomps, and Skywarp's Warping. Now Skywarp, Now, there's another big animation thing here, Andy. I don't know if you spotted it. Skywarp is talking to Starscream, kind of acknowledging that's my ability he's using. But they both look like Starscream. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they were talking to a mirror, it was quite weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but at this point in the series, I'm just feeling so sorry for the animators where they have three identical jets apart from their colour schemes and, you know, whoever's doing the colouring of the cells like is supposed to know which one is which at any given point in time. Which one, they probably didn't care really because they were, you know, probably not being paid a whole lot and be, you know, just this constant like, well, there are three of this character in this scene, like, what... Well, What's going on here? <laughs> so, yeah, like I'm now at the point of just like every time I see that it's like oh man, I feel bad for them. This was probably real rough having like three identical characters on screen. Yeah, and then also like they've got the ones on Cybertron as well at some
0: point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, too many jets, too many jets. So, Megatron is just well and truly under control here. Things are not looking good for Prime. But meanwhile, while all this is going on, the Constructicons infiltrate underneath the Autobot base. They get to, like, the lava bit of the volcano where the ship is um, lodged in. That's the word I was thinking of. And randomly, I don't know if you heard this, but Scrapper tells Scrounge to be careful. I don't know who Scrounge is, but sure. Again, I'm not trying to go to production element. It was just that thing when I'm watching on headphones and I'm just thinking, wait, did I hear that right? <laughs> and I'm, after I've written down all the names and it's like, I don't remember there being a scrounge. I don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. it It is weird when you look at some of these errors and kind of try to figure out like where they originated from and how they weren't fixed. It's uh, And that is a particularly bizarre one. Like I wonder whether there was... I wonder whether that was supposed to be the name of one of the Constructicons originally and they changed them late in the day and somebody just didn't update that line on the script. Because Scrange Mm. does sound like a good Constructicon name. Like, you know, Mm. if you're like a dump truck or whatever, like, you could totally be called Scrange. But, and I I swear there did end up being a Scrange in Transformers. But again, basically any word is probably also a Transformer at this point. (laughs) Was there a Scourge later on in Transformers? Yeah, yeah, Scourge is, you know, one of the, the... what becomes of one of the Seeker Jets in the movie. So yeah, you've Mm. got Scourge and and the Sweeps. There we go. So I'm not totally losing it. Good.
0: Uh, So anyway, they are directly underneath Teletran 1, but Teletran 1 has registered that there is a threat underneath the base. Back at the fight, Megatron is continuing to beat down Prime, now making use of both Reflector and Thundercracker's ability in the process. Prime is downed, and there are some fantastic a- animations at this point, Andy, of humans looking worried. It's it's arguably some of the best human animation that there has been in this entire show. It was quite a sight to behold. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were suitably shocked. So that was... That's actually where there's a commercial break in the show. So I'll finally give you a chance to talk. Any additional notes you wanted to,
1: to bring up up to that point? Anything I've not mentioned or anything that stands out? I mean, I think you pretty much covered it by saying silly Prime, because it's like, you know, this whole thing, I and I, I kind of get it from like the sort of the, the, the writer's point of view, is that this is a good episode for the pantomime, like kids sitting at home being like, don't do it, don't do it, he's gonna he's gonna con you, like he's gonna fool you, and then like Optimus Prime goes and does it, but you know, it, it, it sort of, it, it just... The the, the the words deception and con are literally in their name. Like, why would you take that at face value and be like, oh, you, you just want a fair duel to, like, end this war? Great, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, and then doubly so that nobody really notices, like, oh, oh, Megatron has all these hidden powers that just happen to be the powers that the other Decepticons have got. How... How odd that we didn't know this before. This is perfectly natural and normal. Um, While Starscream is sitting on the sidelines going, that one was me, that one was me, that was one of my powers. And you can just imagine the other Decepticons are just like, shut up, Starscream, they're not supposed to know. It's just that thing of like, shut up. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like, yep, yep, that was one of mine. It's just like, it's nobody paying any attention to what's going on here. Um, and, and then finally, I feel like, given that Laserbeak had, like snuck into like, the, into the arc pretty much every episode of this series, I'm not <laughs> sure why they had to send the, the, the Constructicons in to deal with Telltrain 1, because they could have just sent Laserbeak. Or Bussaw, <laughs> maybe. Just <laughs> say it. Frenzy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, to that, though, I will say that, given that, in theory every Autobot and Decepticon had to be present for the fight. I think that was their justification. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I will let them have that one. I'm just salty it wasn't awesome, buzzed, so. Which, in fairness, I'm about to ruin that theory in a few moments, what I'm going to be describing shortly, so we'll get to that as a, as a thought. Everyone is in disbelief. Prime said he underestimated Megatron. The Autobots are just pissed off, quite frankly, and they are ready to fight the Decepticons, but Prime stops them and makes it clear that they will honour the Cybertronian law and comply with what has been said. They will leave the Earth and go into the far reaches of space. The Autobots roll out back to HQ. Prime is badly damaged and can barely transform. There is a cool moment, actually, as well, where, totally forgotten his name, but someone else takes the the big truck element of Prime away from
1: him. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, Huffer, Huffer does Huffer, thank you, yeah. That was just a really cool little moment there. It was really fun. Yeah, it was it was it was really nice. It, it made it kind of made me think like I bet there were a bunch of kids like at home there. Doing, like, why why does my huffer not hook up to Optimus Prime's trailer? This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that feels like a thing you should be able to do. Yeah, or just at least have something that attaches on top to make it fit or something. Yeah, yeah. I I, I bet I bet somebody has done that with like the new like third party figures that come out these days. I bet there's a huffer you can attach to Optimus Prime's trailer. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> back underneath teletran one the
0: constructor cons have broken into the computer room but teletran makes a distress call to the Dinobots, bots who are still inside the ark and are not present at the fight also they're seemingly just having a nap so fair play to them this is what i was saying Andy. about i guess my theory's kind of gone out the window there because why weren't the Dinobots there you, you, seems- know,
1: you could you could argue maybe the Cybertronian law says that only like actual Cybertronians have to be at the the duel, and the Dinobots are not because they were built on Earth, as as, as are the Constructicons. So Fair point. That's that. I, I should be I should have been a writer for this show because I've made a really good excuse for this bot contrivance. <laughs> <laughs> so we
0: get some great firefighting back and forth between the Dinobots and the Constructicons. Ultimately, the fight ends up outside. They break a big hole through the wall and whatnot. The Dinobots transform into dinosaur mode. They are whooping some butt. But then the Constructicons kind of round up next to each other and make it known we aren't done yet. And they transform into their vehicle mode, which they say is phase one. Then they shout phase two. And they combine to build an even bigger giant robot that we come to find out is named Devastator. And now for the first time, we see that the Dinobots are overpowered and outmuscled in a big way. Prime's crew arrive and they notice that the battle is going on and they want to go and help the Dinobots, but Prime is very headstrong and going, nope, nope, we must, we must obey the Cybertronian law. We must pack up our bags and go. We cannot assist. To which it was part of me that's thinking, Prime, mate, it's a a small detour. You're still going home. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is just the way it goes. But but just to focus on that for a second, because the, the the Dinobots battle element, I really, really, really love the interaction between the Constructicons and the Dinobots because, like I say, it's the first time we've actually seen the Dinobots just being pummeled. And it was kind of nice to see them brought back down to Earth and know that the Decepticons have now got the ability to take them on. It was just a really cool visual.
1: Yeah, it's also, it's a really nice kind of, like, sort of power level thing cuz you know i mean we we talked in previous episodes about the dinobots and how like you know they kind of really up the ante in terms of sheer like brute force and power compared to you know even optimus prime um and so to have something that is giving them a rough time is like you know that that sort of moves the needle again back in the other direction of like okay the decepticons have made something that's like potentially even stronger and you know devastator very good Transformer name I will just say um, and yeah I, I again like having not having little to no recollection of this episode I forgot that this was a thing and it, it it makes it's one of those little things that kind of makes Transformers the movie even more interesting again because you kind of get a rematch of the Dinobots versus Constructicons in that and it's like oh oh, there was history here like there's a proper, <laughs> proper feud now long term build
0: <laughs> to the story yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Inside the arc, repairs are complete on Optimus Prime and Chip reveals that he had Teletran do a scan of Prime's injuries and what it demonstrated is that the injuries that Prime had, according to Teletran, had been caused by multiple Decepticons, i.e. an attack from Starscream, an attack from Rumble, for example. Everything now makes sense. Prime agrees that Megatron Megatron cheated and it's time to fight back. Outside, the battle continues when a huge new Autobot appears before everyone. It turns out it's a hologram made by Hound, and Prime is able to separate the Constructicons with, as we've seen before, Andy, his ridiculously pinpoint-accurate sniper-rifle-style shootings from his giant laser cannon. (laughs) It was quite a moment. He manages to separate them. Ultimately, the Constructicons are forced back. The Dinobots are forcing them towards a ravine that has opened up where there's lava underneath. The Constructicons fall into the lava, and we don't see them again. I was very disappointed. At this point, the other Decepticons are now on the defensive, and I'm assuming because they've all given their abilities to Megatron, they're literally just so weak they can't fight back, because they really don't at all. And then they fall into the ravine as well, into the lava, Prime ultimately gets the final shot on Megatron, and he falls down into the fiery depths of the lava below. One assumes they are now melted, but no, they are not, because Megatron rises from the lava, like something from Terminator, along those lines, and just kind of says, I will be avenged. His trademark concluding line at the end of an episode. Uh, again, really, really like this episode. Overall, I was very, very hurt when I saw the Constructicons fall into lava because there was part of me that's thinking, wait, no, they're in season two, surely? This can't be over. you can got to be kidding me. And then, of course, I thought, oh, of course they're going to survive lava because Megatron's indestructible.
1: yeah yeah and 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 there's all all of that all of that closed and and kind of when you look back on it then the episode as a whole like this feels like it it was made as the season finale because Mm -hmm. you have the big promise of like hey here's the war ending duel between Megatron and Optimus Prime which by the way I didn't mention earlier like the shot they have of Optimus Prime like when that whole duel is set up he kind of has that, like, anime effect, like, shimmery eye thing that makes it look like he's crying. And I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. whether that was deliberate or just an animator having some fun or trying to, like, make this that shot look more interesting. But it's like, is Optimus okay? He seems kind of upset about this. <laughs> I um, mean, he's getting
0: but- whooped by Megatron. He's like... He's, he's never been this strong. What's happened to me? I, I'm losing it. I'm losing. I'm getting old.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. But but yeah, like all, all of that, you suddenly kind of realise this feels like it was the big setup for kind of like a finale because you could you could have again have left the series there as just like yeah, and then they all sank into lava. It's all over. You know, there's there's no more there's no more war between the Autobots and the Decepticons. Um, but then yeah, like Megatron pops up and just kind of shouts, "Season two! and uh, and off <laughs> off we go. So overall, Andy, thoughts on Heavy Metal War. Enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely, it has, it has its strong points. Like, it's definitely one that has, like, big sort of, big moments. You know, the Constructicons, obviously, kind of still quite a lot of the scene. But just seeing, like, super overpowered, I have all the powers Megatron fighting Optimus Prime is kind of pretty cool as well. Um, so you know all of that stuff is is pretty pretty good um, and then soundwave pets Ra- pets ravage which is is fantastic and adorable so moment yeah, of the show it was, it was worth it exactly <laughs> just for that
0: so from there everyone we're now going to move on to episode 15 the title being fire on the mountain we begin the episode with starscream and thundercracker flying over a factory with two autobots Trailbreaker, who for a brief moment looks very 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 red which is quite random and i think it was brawn andy but correct me if i'm wrong on that because i don't think they ever expressly said who it was that was also in the factory with them but yeah i think i think i think it was brawn they are in pursuit not that the decepticons know it they're on the hunt for strong steel girders and we get a brief scuffle between spots and Decepticons, but ultimately, Starscream, I think for the first time in the, in the series at all, Andy, uses some chest rockets to blow up the place, giving him and Thundercracker a moment to escape for what they came for. Starscream having the great line when he shoots those rockets of, that's what I call bringing the house down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that, that that's a classic Transformers-esque quip there. I, I did enjoy it. <laughs> And then, of course, moments later, assuming it was Braun, and I'm not
0: talking space crazy, uh, Braun says, we're too late. The Steel Steelers are long gone. Which I laughed at. Trailbreaker then also then said, and I like this as well as an admission of something's gone bad. Oh, hexagonal nuts. Yeah, we better yeah, roll I've, back
1: to headquarters. I, I, I think we've had, had hexagonal nuts twice in this series now. So somebody <laughs> clearly, like, cottoned on to that and decided they liked it, so they, they re- reused it again. <laughs> At Autobot HQ,
0: no one's got a clue what the Decepticons are up to, so they launch their little spy satellite, which we have not seen for a very long time, to be on the lookout for any trouble. We join Megatron, Soundwave, Skywarp, and Reflector at an Incan pyramid, with Soundwave saying that there is an Incan legend, and it appears to be true because the pyramid they are on is on top of a shaft leading to the Earth's molten core. They blow a hole through the wall of the of the pyramid and Megatron is optimistic that the rest of the legend that has been foretold is true because it makes mention of a crystal of power. And it turns out it is true because the crystal is there. In fact, it looks very similar to the green crystals that we saw in the Fire uh, Fire in the Sky episode, Andy, when they were in the Antarctic.
1: Yeah, I mean, they seem to... The, the, there are, like, crystals a go-go in this world because we had, like was it, the diamond... Ruby? No, they were rubies, weren't they? they were diamond rubies of Burma, I think they were. But uh, yeah, yes. like, ju- 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 jewels are plenty that seemingly have a lot of power in Transformers. Mm. I mean, not that's anything wrong with that. I'm
0: totally fine with that personally. <laughs> and Megatron picks up this giant crystal, and a huge beam of light appears, which I believe is the Earth's molten core escaping, but not <laughs> destroying anything. So I'm I'm a little bit confused about that, but I won't I won't question it. Up on top of the pyramid, Starscream and Thundercracker have made a quote-unquote weapon frame using the steel that they had acquired earlier. They intend to harness the power of the Earth's fiery core using that crystal in the weapon frame and I'm guessing the giant beam of light that was shooting up having that in a particular position to harness said power. Meanwhile, because of all of that activity that was going on, the Autobot Sky... uh, Sky Spy, I think it's meant to be called, picks up something in the Andes Mountains in Peru. However, Laserbeak has detected that they've been spotted, informs Megatron, and they decide to test their weapon frame by blowing the heck up that Spy Sky... Uh, Sky Spy. There you go, I can't even say it right now. (laughs) Uh, This causes an almighty explosion that worries the local residents in Peru. Megatron is happy with the power, but after some earlier jibes that I've not made mention of between Starscream and Thundercracker, more specifically Thundercracker claiming this steel that we're we're getting now from the opening scene, it's not going to be that strong, it won't hold up, but Starscream just being his usual boastful self, and it's like, I'm the leader, it will work! It turns out it did not work because the actual gun turret part melted, so they have to now acquire some new steel to make do with that. And despite Thundercracker warning Starscream about that possibility, Starscream blamed Thundercracker. Don't you just love people like that? And ultimately he gets punched by Megatron as a result. And then they proceed to, proceed to head to a mining town to procure new metal. So Andy, the fact we're now in Peru, I, I, I kind of like this as a change of pace, like a slight change of direction. Like they're even going for like Legends and stuff now, which... It's another way to kind of tap into non-existent Earth history, I suppose. But it's just kind of cool to have... Hang on, back up. It's it's something you alluded to before where we keep seeing, like, a desert and getting
1: to be, like, in Peru for a little bit. It was nice to just have a really big change of scenery. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things that I kind of like when it does it throughout this first season because we had our, like, you know, assault on a kind of Taj Mahal-esque kind of palace where they had, like, some energy... Machine thing, I forget what it was. Uh, it was in the and, Ultimate Doom, wasn't it? I think. It was. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. So you know, you have that. Yeah, you have Peru here. Like, you know, next episode we we go. You know, we go on the move again. We've had the the, the Arctic Circle. You know, I I do like the the fact that Transformers does you know occasionally decide that thing. Not everything happens in the desert, and we go somewhere a bit different. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty decently done as well because like there were definitely cartoons in this era that were way more hammy about kind of how they portrayed, you know, like, foreign countries as well. Like, this is kind of maybe teetering a little bit on that, but it's actually pretty reasonable compared to some of them that is, like, a lot of silly accents etc etc but yeah yeah a change of change of scenery change of pace is is good and and again it's also just a change of pace having the the goal of getting all of this energy not to be you know the usual just well we'll use it and then go back to cybertron it's like let's just make a sweet gun and it's like (laughs) sure i'm 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 up for that
0: it's so true and and Time to talking about a change of scenery, Andy, back to the Arctic Circle we go! Because Sideswipe and Wheeljack are jackhammering the icy surface, because they're rescuing Skyfire! Only took them a couple episodes to do it. Who is thawed out from his deep freeze, but no time to celebrate, because he is immediately told to go back to Autobot HQ, pick up Brawn and Windcharger, and go to the Andes Mountains. Now, Andy, before I carry on, I feel the need to point out something here. When it comes to production order, Fire in the Sky was, like, the fourth episode in production in theory, wasn't it? I yes, think we talked yeah, about last yes. time. Don't I don't know what episode this is in in production order. I'm curious to know how close or far away from <laughs> from, like, the Ultimate Doom and that episode this is because there could be some glaring continuity things there.
1: Yeah now I'm pretty sure this was like you know 5 or 6 or something in in the the order because yeah like this was definitely you know because as we mentioned at the time like Skyfire's random appearance in the ultimate doom you know this was the episode that was supposed to reintroduce him so that it made sense that he was there in the ultimate doom um so yeah it was supposed to slot in before that and it is kind of weird how all over the place we are because we've literally bounced off the kind of the season finale the decepticons are all in molten lava to like well let's go to the Andes and it's like oh okay cool. <laughs> And also, I guess if you, if you count what we were talking about in the last podcast, and the fact that
0: the ultimate doom epilogue kind of feels like a season finale slash season two opener,
1: yeah, in itself, yeah. yeah, I mean that that sort of definitely felt like it had its its own kind of narrative going on. But like, I I feel like Heavy Metal Wars very much had set the tone as like that just feels like an absolutely you know season closing thing. Mm.
0: Cut to the Andes Mountains and Skyfire has found Megatron's crew, but Megatron notices the traitor, quote-unquote, too. This leads Brawn and Windcharger engaging in combat with the Decepticons. I feel from the get-go, Andy, before this battle even began, there was no hope of them winning. I'm just saying. They They are outgunned, overpowered, you name it. It's true, basically. Skyfire carries on towards where the the energy signature is coming from to give the scan, but is then also rapidly called back because the two Autobots are just being outpowered and outgunned, quite frankly. But what this does lead to, though, is a cool moment. I think this was probably a little bit later on, so I might be jumping a bit too far forward. But it was kind of a stunt where I think it was Windcharger was driving really fast, Brawn was trying not to get shot by Megatron's cannon... And then he jumps on Windcharger. Windcharger drives off of a cliff, and then Skyfire catches him in midair. It was a cool little set piece, and kind of something you could imagine seeing in like an old school James Bond
1: film or something. Yeah, that whole scene I think is really cool, like with Windcharger and Brawn, because like it sort of it it sets up quite nicely because you see them both like in Skyfire, like getting ready to kind of drop in. Um, Brawn once again like. MVP for having the best lines here, like um, he he says to to Soundwave, wrong again, you dipstick tape deck, um, which is really good, and then he calls Starscream an airborne garbage bucket, um, which is a good, like, just, just, just sending out the bangers again and again, and then, and then the man has the audacity to pick up Megatron's cannon and use him, use it against him. Which is just the, I, I mean, again, like, I remember Kid Me thinking that was amazing, and Grown Up Me also thinks that's really awesome. Like, you know, Megatron drops his cannon, just like, just going to shoot you with this, going to see what this is like, and just, like, get sent flying by, like, the recoil from it, which is also cool. Megatron just absolutely furious of just, like, what the heck? You can't do that. It's <laughs> uh, the, the equivalent of just someone going, how bad? DARE YOU! Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just kind of the ultimate insult of, you know, just, just shooting him with his own cannon, um, and then, yeah, you, you get the whole kind of escape thing. So, yeah, that, that whole scene is just really great um, in, in all kinds of ways.
0: It, it's actually funny now you've mentioned that again, because for some reason I didn't have that part in my notes, but that happens two episodes in a row now where Megatron gets shot by his own gun, because it happens in the next episode as well, not to be spoilery. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd have thought that, you know, he might maybe, you know, stick it on a bit better, like, in the morning. You know, there must be some some kind of, like, cannon glue or whatever, like, all magnets that he needs to, you know, to, to stick it on. Because, yeah, like, don't don't drop that thing, it's dangerous. Just a bit more blue tack, would have sorted it, yeah, fine. Yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> but, but a bit of super glue, so yeah. So, following the big stunt that I mentioned, they
0: head back to Autobot HQ to get reinforcements. And by means of reinforcement, uh, sorry, and by me saying reinforcements, I mean pretty much everyone is now heading to Peru. Uh, upon arrival, Skyfire continues to head to the temple, though he's having a hard time sneaking around at the temple because he's so damn big and he's got to not be spotted by the seeker jets. Now, Andy, speaking as a very tall man, as are you. I could relate to this so much.
1: Yeah. I mean also like feels like you've got all you know you've got Bumblebee, you've got all these mini bots that you could have sent one of them to, like with Sky, Skyfire or sent one of them like look can you go do the sneaky sneak thing but no it's like let's send the biggest Autobot and say can you just sneak around and see what's going on there it's like that's you know that's some some more poor strategy poor Autobot strategy in this episode you know it's it's not so they, they they need need some work on that silly Prime
0: <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the Autobots head to a nearby mining town which is where they have determined that Megatron and his crew are heading to upon arrival in said town the Decepticons are raiding a factory for, um, I put raiding a factory for Aster I don't know what that means <laughs> I don't know what that note was meant to be so I'm just gonna jump over that and the Autobots make make a surprise attack on the Decepticons there's a great moment as well once again oh in fact this is actually this is where it happens Andy That the, the hand cannon thing with Brawn that you mentioned Oh, that was later on, was it? Ah,
1: that makes sense.
0: So yeah, actually, I've written down here, he gets hold of the can -can cannon, actually fires at Megatron and lands the shot on him too. Though order is quickly restored because Laserbeak just steals it back and then delivers it back to Megatron. (laughs) Which I did like that Laserbeak just went... There was the equivalent of just that moment, you could tell it's like, oh, I'll get it. Yeah. (laughs) If only Laserbeak could actually talk. But an interesting note, though, is that the battle is also causing some potential life-threatening damage. Bumblebee and Spike save a young female civilian who nearly gets crushed by a giant falling metal structure, kind of like a power line-related thing. And while escaping an onslaught from Laserbeak, the young girl informs Spike, inside Bumblebee at this point, of the Crystal of Power. And he's like, the what? And she's like, I'll take you there, let's go. And they make for the temple. Back at the mining town, Megatron informs Skywarp via radio that he's created a steel alloy suitable for the weapon frame and tells him to leave Starscream and Thundercracker at at the temple and come and collect it. Now, Starscream, if I say he's less than impressed by this, Andy, I don't think that does justice (laughs) to what Starscream said because he just responds with simply going, quote-unquote, HOW DARE YOU ASSIGN ME TO guard DUTY! I'm Starscream the Mighty! <laughs> just... <laughs> the thing I have forgotten until recently, I don't know, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show or not, but I keep, occasionally I keep forgetting that Starscream's voice is also Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah. So every time there's like a certain cadence of the way he says something, I'm just like, ah, oh, Cobra Commander. <laughs> and it's perfect. <laughs> Back with Spike and the young girl, who, by the way, do we actually find out what the girl's name is?
1: I feel like she maybe did introduce herself at some point, but yeah, I, I can't re- recall if, if she did or not, to be honest.
0: Okay, because I'm just going to say now, I don't have a name written down because I don't, I don't recall hearing it. So, apologies, if I've missed that, everybody. But back with Spike and the young girl, she shows that S- Spike and Bumblebee that there is a secret passage in the temple, but Soundwave gets wind of this and sends Ravage to pursue them. Meanwhile, Skyfire's attempts not to be spotted have more than gone awry, because Thundercracker finds him climbing up some stairs in open, broad daylight. Good job, mate. But he realises that if he offs Skyfire now, Starscream will likely take the credit for it. So now, Thundercracker, after earlier what happened when it came to him being blamed for the gun malfunctioning, he's debating, if I let Skyfire destroy the gun, Starscream will get blamed at which point Starscream notices that and is pretty much just going YOU TRAITOR HOW DARE YOU and then they have a bit of a tiffy Starscream fires a Thundercracker, Thundercracker ducks and then Skyfire just gets hit in the chest it's like oh mate you've got to stop doing this like (laughs) you're not having much luck with not being hit by things at the moment yeah so, uh, yeah, we'll stop there for a second because I think that a lot has happened there. Anything else you wanted to make note of with regards to those bits, it, this is just a really fun episode. It's something different and it's just lots of great little moments in there.
1: Yeah, and and I really enjoyed the fact that this episode you kind of get Decepticon beef beyond the usual Starscream, like, you know, needling Megatron. Like, you kind of... Because throughout this series, this season, we've sort of had, you know... Starscream kind of whining to various other Decepticons about Megatron or about how he should be leader and they're all just like yeah alright mate whatever um, but like this, this time it's just like him and Thundercracker they're really like they're kind of like you know the nagging couple of this where they just know how to get under each other's skin and they're just like that back and forth and it's kind of really enjoyable just to see that kind of like descent between them and Megatron just having to be like ah oh, like it's just like looking after kids and like you know has to get skywalked <laughs> to be like can you just look after them make sure we don't get into another fight because i've got to go do the shopping and i can't deal with this um and that that whole thing and then yeah like you know thundercracker kind of having that moment of like i could really get my own back here and screw get starscream over like it's really enjoyable Um, So yeah, all of those machinations between those two characters is really great through this episode to kind of add a bit of of colour commentary to all the other stuff going on. And in terms of other colour commentary going on as well, I will make
0: mention that after they have their little sort of tiffy, if you will, and Skyfire gets hit, Starscream basically says to Thundercracker, Look, buddy, you better do exactly what I say or I'm going to tell Megatron what you were going to do. I've got your number,
1: pretty much. Yeah. Yeah he he also calls thunder thundercracker a putrid traitor which is a very like that's a very good word for for, for, for this this kind of uh, this kind of thing it's like oh yeah that's that's some good language there screen.
0: back at the mining town skywarp has arrived and collects the alloy that megatron mentioned prompting a retreat by the decepticons But Megatron ain't done there. He just launches a giant laser blast into a nearby mountain, causing a flipping big rock slide. At which point, the Autobots realise, we've got to save some humans because there's there's a town below. And they pretty much just get rid of the rock slide instantly. They just fire some lasers. It's all like dissipating into tiny little rocks. We get a little cheering moment from people. Life moves on. Back in the temple, Spike and the young girl and Bumblebee are still heading through the secret pathway, unaware that they are they are being followed by Ravage. Inside, Skyfire now coloured like like Skywarp for about five seconds when they were carrying him. Again, like you were saying, Andy,
1: I bet the animators were having a freaking like what colour is he moment. Yeah, and they, they just saw Sky <laughs> in the script somewhere. It's like, oh, I know that. That's the black one, right? The, 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 um... <laughs> That's a good point, actually. I'd not thought of that. Fair point. Yeah, it's like I you know, they're probably again like probably animated in Japan, they probably like recognize the word sky in there. I was like, yeah, we know what to do. Don't know what this these other letters are, but this this'll be right, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Skywarp's at this point, Skywarp's carcass is just being dragged along by Starscream and Thundercracker. Megatron's crew arrive back and Megatron is just loving the fact. That he can potentially rewire Skyfire to actually be a proper Decepticon now, after his failed attempt to do it a few episodes ago at this point, in broadcast order. At this point, Spike and Co. arrive and immediately come across the downed Skyfire. We then go to the top of the temple where the newly improved weapon frame is tested on a mountain with flawless results. Inside spike is doing what he can to repair skyfire and the circuit but even he admits the circuitry is way beyond him so he can't really do much. At this point, bumblebee is taken aback by the amount of energy being produced from that that hole that was left by the crystal where it was sat earlier at which point ravage arrives and Q having ravage and bumblebee having a bit of a tussle with each other prime's crew then arrive at the temple outside at which point, and i want to note this andy because i think it looked really freaking cool it's dusk in like the in where it's set and it was just really cool to see like a sunset style battle happening with autobots and decepticons really really cool looking
1: yes yeah it's again it's one of those nice little bits of variety because like pretty much everything in this show tends to happen in broad daylight you you don't even really get much nighttime stuff here, but uh, but yeah, the, having a bit of dusk, you know, slightly different colour scheme. It's always kind of interesting to to see.
0: But Megatron is still on top of the temple, and he's now firing the weapon frame at them, and the Autobots realise that's a tough weapon. So there's now a firefight going on between both sides, but with them trying to avoid this giant new weapon that Megatron has got inside bumblebee is at his limit in terms of trying to handle ravage but somehow spike has been able to restore skyfire and skyfire does away with ravage and heads into battle outside we then go outside once again and the decepticons have still got the higher ground but brawn is making a last ditch effort to try and get on top of the mountain after he's basically called out by ironhide for being a chicken robot i think was the
1: phrase that was used and so he just I, 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 I think I think he's called a, a robot chicken, isn't he? Which is like a precursor to the, 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 the series of the same name. Uh, can you, I wonder if that's actually where they got the name from. I mean, probably not, but we can... I, I, I mean, last week we decided that, like, you know, was a Megadeth album is named after an episode of Transformers, so yeah. why not? Why not? Uh, there we go.
0: <laughs> so, Braun runs up, is able to get to Starscream, and basically pushes him into the back of Megatron, who's trying to fire the gun... So now the gun's gone all a bit skew if in terms of its placement. Once again, all Starscream's fault. So, Braun and, Braun and Starscream fall down a level, if you will, in the pyramid, and Ironhide, who is now at this point managed to get up top to fight Megatron, he is thrown down to Optimus Prime, and Megatron now has the weapon frame locked and ready to fire on Prime and Ironhide. Quote-unquote from Megatron, Kiss your Fusers goodbye, Autobots. I wanted to make use of that, Andy, because magnifusers is a great word.
1: It it is. It's very good.
0: This is when Skyfire comes in and destroys the weapon frame. Prime throws Megatron off the temple a very long way down. There was part of me that's just thinking, Megatron, you can fly. Just (laughs) stop. You can stop this. You don't need to take a hit on the shoulders and the head. You can just stop this in midair. But he doesn't. And then he issues a retreat. And during this retreat, kind of following on from what you were saying, Andy, about the Decepticons having a bit of, like, beef with each other, Thundercracker just makes a, a really big jibe at both Megatron and Starscream as they're flying away, which I really, really liked. Him basically just going, well, that worked, didn't it? <laughs> just really, really good fun. To conclude the episode... Back on top of the temple, Wheeljack is working on a device to quote-unquote help regulate the energy gusher (laughs) emanating from the temple that will sit on top of the temple uh, now that the crystal has been destroyed because the, the weapon frame that I mentioned got destroyed in the process of all the firefighting. You'll be happy to hear it works! And Wheeljack's happy it works as well. And then this actually leads to a pretty cool moment where all the Autobots are kind of on the side of the temple kind of like they've driven up a little bit and then they do like a bit of a light show to end it and that's really cool. And the closing moments of the episode, Andy, are all the Autobots heading to the nearby town to take the young girl whose name we don't know back there and there's a kind of random line of her saying something to the effect of I want Bumblebee to meet my brother because I'm sure they'll get along.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 her brother's car, isn't it? More specifically. Sorry, uh, yeah, that's so that's a crucial wait, word there. Sorry. Yeah, because I, I mean, back 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 in back in the eighties, they didn't have Tinder, so you know the, the Autobots <laughs> had to hook up with other cars, you know, by a, by the good old-fashioned way. Um, which, yeah, is like I I feel like this this is a really good precursor to the kind of fare we can expect in season two, from what I remember. But anyway. <laughs>
0: so that concludes that episode andy i talked a lot there before getting to the end of the episode so any
1: additional notes you wanted to throw in or anything that that really stood out to you yeah well i know some of my notes having written early on the decepticons have built a cool gun i did note towards the end it's a cool gun um like i I, and and i do i do really like like the design of that weapon is cool and i don't know I'm, i'm i'm a big sucker for some like ridiculous super weapon um, especially when it's so powerful that the barrel melts. Um, so I, I, I definitely enjoyed that. Yeah, the, the light show thing that the Autobots do at the end is really cool. I'm not sure why they do it, but it's really cool. What um, was a little bit disappointed by Will Jack's invention having been talked up like, oh, he's invented this crazy thing, will it work? When it's just like basically a metal sheet that goes over the top of the thing. <laughs> it, it, it's, a it's a bowl. Like- that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, pretty much, pretty much. And it, it does, there is like a cool kind of animation kind of effect to it as it gets put over that suggests there's some kind of technology involved as well. But it's like, eh, mostly just looks like a bit of metal. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's a... It's a it's a very Transformers end to the episode where you kind of think, like, Megatron's retreating a little bit quickly here, you know, you could probably turn the tide back with your cool gun if you wanted, but you've sort of, you know, you've given up a little too quickly there, but uh, but yeah, some, some good stuff to be had. And also, I've got to say, now that we've you made it clear that it was like the
0: young girl's brother's car, not just the young girl's brother, like I accidentally said, the, the animation of Bumblebee being excited about meeting this car was something else. <laughs> just yeah. like, probably
1: bouncing in excitement while driving along the road it was quite funny yeah it's probably the most kind of like super deformed cartoony thing that this series has done to this point because you know it's normally pretty kind of plays it straight and this is kind of like that. that is the goofiest moment that i think we've had in this series thus far
0: so there we go well folks what that now means is andy we've got one more episode
1: of the first season to talk about We do, and and, and as mentioned, it's it's another one of my faves, so I'm I'm excited that we've gotten to this one. Because the episode we are talking about, everybody, is episode 16, A
0: Plague of Insecticons. The episode begins with us looking over a very dense jungle-like river location, with some people boating across it carrying supplies, like bags of flour or wheat, such things. Then our favourite narrator comes in and says the following... I can't do the voice, by the way, but just imagine it's, like, deep and low. On the tropical island of Bali lies an ancient and mysterious expanse of watery jungle known as Demon Swamp, where a strange new form of robot now stalks the unweary traveller. At that moment, we see a robotic bug peer out of the water and say, with quite a unique sound behind it as well, kind of a really weird sound effect food approaches approaches and on top of that the 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 sound effect i mentioned it kind of almost sounds like a radio wave or something on top of the voice you might be able to describe it better than i can andy but just instantly loved this first look at what is an insecticon bug just a little preview it's a wonderful moment and a wonderful
1: intro yeah yeah I absolutely love Shrapnel's voice and I kind of what rewatching this episode made me suspect I, I think I like said in the last episode that I loved the Insecticons and ended up like owning a Shrapnel toy rewatching this episode made me pretty sure that the reason that I bought a shrapnel toy was because of this episode and so if you ever want an advert on how to make a, an episode of a cartoon that's going to make kids go out and buy a thing for, for me I guess it was this one so uh so well well played Hasbro and everyone involved with this for, uh, for for making well making my parents part with their money I mean I didn't pay for it so so well well played
0: We then see another robot appear behind them and go into the water next to them. Then we cut to one of the boatsmen who notices something in the water. All of a sudden, they are hurled up into the air inside their boat and then basically just chucked across to the side where there's some concrete. Another boat is then attacked and the boatsman there is just asking, what's happening? And the robot responds by saying, welcome to Demon Swamp, Swamp. Of the three boats, there was one that wasn't attacked and they are making a hasty getaway because the other two people who are in the other boats, they've leapt onto that boat and they just get away as fast as they freaking can. As the two robot bugs that we have seen are now chomping away on a bag of food, which is quite different because, you know, why are they eating food? We'll get to that. There is a third bug hanging about in a tree who is told that its meal is escaping and then we get the line of in that case, i better hop to it! The flying bug robot then pursues the third boat, and you're kind of thinking, alright, how is it going to attack it, is it going to like come alongside it, is it going to scare them? No, it just dive bombs them, and this boat just explodes. It was a wonderful visual, to say the least. As the humans are escaping off of it, they decide that they need to radio for help as they, t- they can't let it get to the farm that's nearby. The bugs stop eating. They realise there is more food on a farm. The farmers near. They must find the farm. We're then somewhat introduced to all the bugs, but just to set the record straight, as Andy mentioned, we have Shrapnel, who is the one that looks like a stag beetle. We have Bombshell, which I believe later Andy was renamed to something else in some other continuities, I think, in doing some of my research, but I'm not entirely sure. It might have been Hardshell or something along those lines.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I guess maybe maybe there came a time when using the word bomb in the title was was not allowed. But yeah, in in G one, he was he was he was always bombshell to me. Mm. And I've got noted here that bombshell is a is a bo- bowl weevil. Yeah, which I don't really weapons. know
0: what that is. To be honest, I'm not an, an insect guy. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's, that sounds right. We'll go with that. And kickback is
0: a grasshopper. And they all transform respectively and fly away. So let's just... I know we've talked a little bit about the start of the episode, but just this first bit of action from the Insecticons, kind of like what we were talking about with the Constructorcons, and just how their opening introduction scene was really impactful and eye-catching. This... this no pun intended because it's, it involves a lot of water. This blows that out of the water. Much as I love the Constructicons, this introduction to the Insecticons and the amount of questions that it asks the viewer in that opening segment alone, it does such a wonderful job of introducing these, of introducing these guys and you just wanting to know more about them. And most of all Andy, as you've alluded to with you getting the shrapnel toy, they just look really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's, it's really interesting because you get right from the get-go that they're different. Like, you know, we've... Every episode starts with the Decepticons trying to get energy, but it's all about, you know, storing that energy for a weapon or to get back to Cybertron or whatever. These guys are just hungry. And it's like, oh, like, what's the deal here? Like, this is completely, like, different and off-kilter from everything else. Like, to the point it almost feels like its own sort of, like, weird Transformers continuity. It's like the sort of Beast Wars thing or something. Um, But, yeah, and, and yeah, all all the character designs for the Insecticons are, are really great, and, you know, we'll get on to what they... They do with the concept of kind of insect Decepticons later in the episode. But like, yeah, even from first impressions, they all have really cool character designs. I mean, the, the reason that I only owned a shrapnel is that I could never find any of the other two anywhere in the UK. I'm not sure whether they were ever released or not. They maybe were somewhere where I wasn't. But I would I would happily have had definitely a kickback. Like, kickback's really cool. And like, Bombshell's pretty pretty nifty as well. So, uh, yeah, just like really kind of strong intro. Absolutely.
0: At Autobot HQ, Spike and Sparkplug pick up an SOS distress call from Bali. And within this moment, Skyfire is there and basically just says, the Skyfire Exterminator service will go and take out these bugs. Pretty much going to depart immediately, but then Bumblebee, Windcharger, Brawn, and Spike all tag along as well. For reference, we also come to learn that, A bunch of other Autobots, including Prime, Ironhide, Wheeljack, are elsewhere, so they're not actually at the Ark when this call actually happens. We then cut to the Decepticon Underwater HQ, feels like ages since we last saw that, where Laserbeak has reported that a giant insect robot sighting has been had in Bali to Megatron. And Soundwave and Thundercracker, with Megatron, immediately depart for Bali. And Ravage is then sent to investigate when they arrive at the Demon Swamp. And then they kind of follow Ravage like Ravage has caught a scent. And you get to see a couple of Decepticons just wading through a swamp. Which is a really weird, but uniquely cool visual. Ravage discovers the Bug's home. Which turns out to be a Decepticon escape module that launched seemingly prior to the events of the first episode of the Transformers series, More Than Meets the Eye. It's deduced that upon landing, their computers basically changed them, kind of like Teletran did for the Autobots and Decepticons during the More Than Meets the Eye trilogy at the beginning of the series, and adapted them for Earth, hence why they are now bugs, and hence why they can eat more organic material like the the wheat and whatnot that I was alluding to a few moments ago. At that moment, we see the Insecticons arrive at the farm and begin munching on the crops in the field. Just to break that down a little bit, Andy, because I think there's a lot of detail in there that needs to be covered. You, you mentioned earlier in this episode of the podcast about there being a bit more backstory to the Insecticons. It's a really simple storyline to explain why they've been on Earth, why does no one know they exist already. Just so many questions about a backstory, they are just
1: answered so simply. Sometimes yeah. that's all you want in a story like that. And it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it just kind of makes them sort of interesting because it, it sort of, it's almost a surprise coming off the back of the Cons when you realise like, oh wait, like Megatron etc. know nothing about these guys. Like they're literally just like, what, there's some robot insects that are like tearing the place up? Well, I guess we should go and look. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you get that again. All it needs is just like that little kind of is sprinkling of backstory of, of how they got there and it's like yeah cool like you've, you've tied up all the loose ends on that it all makes sense great you know and it just it, even the initial questions about them just you know why are they just feeding it's all kind of answered there in one fell swoop and it's like cool great this is this is this is good it's also just quite a
0: nice change from the norm that you can actually have a transformer eating organic material rather than just energon
1: yeah yeah i mean that that's the part that it maybe doesn't explain about how they kind of like synthesize that stuff because i mean we see them eating all sorts they're like a puppy that'll just like eat your socks basically (laughs) um, at at this point so yeah that that kind of stuff is is kind of kind of interesting um i will say though like how how many transformers are crashing on earth Like, I mean, it seems to be a pretty regular occurrence, you know, that that is just all the time just coming down, you know, just never mind raining cats and dogs. It's just like raining Transformers half the time.
0: Yeah, because I suppose going back to our last podcast when we talked about Skyfire's origin story, as it were, that was before, well, at the time, Earth was Uncharted, I think they said. Uh, obviously Constructicons were made on Earth, Dinobots were made on Earth, and then it was just the Ark, but obviously Starscream had been to Earth before as well, so yeah, it's like, the Earth is clearly known,
1: <laughs> and yeah, a place yeah. to go, and it's it, also exactly.
0: interesting, go on, sorry.
1: Yeah, and I, I was gonna say, like, because I, I posited the question, like, um on the last episode when we were asking about, like, Starscream just flying to Cybertron in his jet mode. It's like, wait, like, how far away is Cybertron? So, because I'm a sad person like that, I checked the tech specs of what his max speed is. Oh, amazing. And how far you could travel in, like, the X, in the, what what was it, like, three hours or four hours from from that, that countdown device and basically figured out that if that was correct, then Cybertron would be in our solar system because it would be like closer to us than Jupiter is. So, hmm. you know, that's, that doesn't add up at all. But maybe that does explain why there are constantly Transformers crashing on Earth. So there you go. There, there's some pointless information for people listening. I mean, you say pointless, Andy. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's that's five minutes of my time with the calculator I'll never get back. So <laughs> We cut to
0: a ravine where Prime, I think Sideswipe, Ironhide, Wheeljack, Cliffjumper, and Trailbreaker are stopped in their tracks quite literally by a village celebration of sorts, and they take a shortcut courtesy of Sideswipe, which leads them to a dead end. We cut back to the farm that I mentioned a few moments ago, where the villagers are in a massive panic because the Insecticons are there, Trashing the place. They're eating anything they can see. They're destroying combine harvesters. And at that moment, Skyfire arrives and the Insecticons have spotted them and immediately start attacking. They ain't fooling around. They just want to be rid of them. At this point, Kickback launches some insector shells, I think they were called. And Shrapnel uses a, like a Shrapnel grenade. No, no, sorry, that's not yet. Shrapnel then uses c- a clone beam to create an army of reinforcement Insecticons from the debris of a Combine Harvester.
1: This is amazing. Yeah. It's it's also doubly cool because, I mean, having kind of made fun of the Decepticons for getting, like, fooled by holograms so many times in this series, like, straight away, the Autobots are like, oh, those are probably just holograms. Like, it's probably nothing to worry about. And then they start getting fired. on. like, wait, these are actually legit uh help <laughs> and it's like yeah it's it's a really cool moment because even you can't be sure like as the the viewer of like oh yeah maybe this is all like an optical illusion that's the phrase that they use like oh it's an optical illusion and then you suddenly realize like no you can it, it, that he's actually creating clones from these bits of combine harvester i have no idea how that works but that's pretty cool it but it's just a really it's just a really
0: cool unique ability like we haven't seen a transform be able to clone anything in any form yeah, and the fact yeah, it becomes and, a proper physical object, it just it adds a whole
1: world of possibilities to this universe now. Yeah, and it's, it's the thing that I love about this episode and why I kind of, like, glommed onto it as a kid. Because, like, when you go through this episode, you get a lot of cool... Like, the Insecticons have really cool abilities that are different from just your pew-pew lasers. In fact, they don't really have much in the way of traditional weaponry. Like, they just have, like some very cool like you know you could make an interesting video game out of these guys because they have like interesting sort of unique skill sets um that they can kind of like use together or individually in really interesting ways and so there are lots of bits of this episode where I'm just like oh that's just a really cool thing and a really interesting problem that the Autobots have to solve and then the, the way that they solve those problems is the other part of it that kind of gets really interesting. The Autobots are on the back foot.
0: They enter a large crop field just to try and conceal themselves, but the the Insecticons launch a shrapnel grenade to basically just cut the crops down to size, and then a repulsor beam from Windcharger provides a little bit of cover for the Autobots from all of the shrapnel going about the place. Skyfire, during all this commotion, has been damaged and is now unable to transform. As we pointed out now, Andy, Skyfire is not having a good time in this series. Just every episode he's in, he is injured to some degree.
1: Maybe except yeah, I mean, the ultimate doom, I guess, but still, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 a big guy, I guess. He's a big he's a big target. He's got a big hitbox in video game parlance. <laughs> and
0: also he made note as well that it was due to a blow from Kickback as well, it should be noted. At this moment, Megatron, Thundercracker, and Soundwave arrive, and immediately the Incepticons feel a sort of bond with them. And they're told we're also made from, like, Decepticon technology. You know, we are the same. And then the Incepticons kind of effectively go, well, if you're like us, help us take them out. And the Decepticons, of course, oblige. And then we get a team-up with the Incepticons and Decepticons. Back to the shortcut part of our story. Prime ultimately just drives through the tunnel that, (laughs) that has been created, which makes me wonder, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Yeah. Oh, I, it, I, there's it, also another thought as well I have, but I might come to that in a second after
1: you. Yeah, which I suspect is my thought that, like, you know, sideswipes. Like, yeah, I can, I can just, you know, like dig through this. This is fine, and then everyone gets impatient and Obster's Prime breaks through seemingly basically at the end where he effectively he was like 99.9% of the way there and Optimus Prime said I'll show you how it's done and then just pushes through the paper thin like bit of rock that's left behind and and, like breaks through that it's like I feel like you've kind of stolen his thunder there like he would give him another five seconds and he would have broken through that but anyway
0: well okay you know what I've got another thought but I'm gonna come back to it because it's a very poignant moment when I can bring it up I will come back to it So now that Prime and crew are through the tunnel, they arrive at the location where their comrades are under fire from the Decepticons and Insecticons. We get a big firefight between all the sides, ultimately with the Decepticons and Insecticons making a bit of a retreat because they are now bound for an oil rig. After they've gone, Skyfire is repaired and is going to make a hasty catch up with the enemy, but is warned by Prime that he needs to make sure to keep safe as they cannot help him while they are on the ground rolling about as it were because they they seemingly can't fly i'll come back to that soundwave realizes very quickly that they are now not alone and the insecticons leave their clones with megatron's crew while they go and take care of the enemy i need to say this andy that makes the clone ability even better the fact they don't have to be near them to operate them
1: amazing yeah, yeah, it's it, it's almost to the point where you're you're just like this is this is a bit OP. This is a little bit overpowered because like you can just you could create a massive number of clothes. I guess there's maybe a limit to how many he can create, but uh, you know it's uh, yeah the fact that you can just leave them to the, do anybody's bidding is like that's pretty pretty powerful. I'm like this is this is decades before Naruto, so you know.
0: It's... <laughs> yeah no shadow clones here right yeah exactly (laughs) also shout out to skyfire and i can't remember which insecticon it was that said it but skyfire said during this like little battle in the air what i wouldn't give for a laser-powered fly swatter to which the insecticon responded with swat this you autobot (laughs) booby just wonderful line
1: Yeah, yeah. there's a couple of good little back and forths between uh, Autobots and, and Insecticons in, in this episode. There's, there's a, a, another banger coming up later. So Skyfire at this point is now in a
0: three-on-one battle, not in his favour, to say the least. So the Autobots notice this on the ground, and Wheeljack, while admitting he is not a fly- high-flying ace, takes to the sky, fires a bunch of missiles and then hits one of the and hits the insecticons that are just basically attached to Skyfire's wings. Now, Andy, let's back up a little bit. Optimus Prime and Co had to take a shortcut. Based on the events of More Than Meets the Eye way back in episodes 1 to 3, the Autobots flew to an oil rig. Could they not have just flown?
1: Yeah, I mean that, that that is the consistent problem that this show has with the Autobots where they can fly when it's convenient and then can't when it's easier for them to be held up somewhere. I mean there's maybe some kind of arguments about their flight range and how far they can fly or how fast they can fly and, you know, maybe they thought the shortcut would be faster than, than doing it in the air. But yeah, there are definitely questions on a regular basis of like why are you driving here? <laughs> I, the, the one thing I will say, though,
0: is to kind of get around that, I did like the fact that Wheeljack openly admitted, look, I'm not a high-flying ace, but I'm going to try and help. So at least they admitted it's not something he could do easily.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that definitely it, that definitely feels like an attempt to try and kind of like write that in 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 such a way to be like look this is not an easy situation to to deal with. Um but uh, but yeah and and that I believe is also where you get the other kind of like good ding dong between like Will Jack and and Kickback I think it is where Wheeljack's like I'll lend you a hand and then Kickback's like well how about a foot and just like kicks him <laughs> to the ground. <laughs>
0: So, going back to the episode, Megatron's crew arrive at the oil rig and begin filling energon cubes. Back on the road, the Insecticons' latest plan is to use Shrapnel's override waves to take control of a couple of Autobots to wreak some havoc. It's specifically being that they're going to make a few of them just drive into their friends and to actually take control of their movement. Again, Andy, another
1: ridiculously cool Insecticon move. They're so OP. Yep, yeah. Again, it's a, another like a, a, another reason why I was clearly probably already like tugging at like my mum's my like sleeve, just being like, "I need a shrapnel. I need to. I need the shrapnel <laughs> toy. Where can we get the shrapnel toy?" Because uh, yeah, this is a really cool moment, and it's doubly cool for me because like, and I I, I I was trying to remember why I sort of had fond memories of the whole shortcut thing that goes on there but it's because and, and this whole episode you get a whole bunch of side and sunstreaker who they're cool they're Lamborghini contacts they're, they're really cool cars they're in their car mode all the time they're a yellow and red car like why would I not like that um and yeah like having them kind of feature quite a bit and then yeah like the whole remote control thing of them like basically making them play chicken um, and then even how that gets kind of like overturned is all just like a really cool like techno like pseudo technology back and forth between the two sides that I really enjoyed. Also, should be
0: noted that Trailbreaker is ultimately the one to cancel out the waves of shrapnel using some sort of sound waves of his own. Braun has a tangle with an insecticon in the air because Prime basically throws him like a football, which was a great moment. But, but Braun is thrown up, is literally just thrown away. He's falling down to the ground, but Skyfire catches him. We now go to the oil rig, and there are energon cubes aplenty that have been filled up during all this time. The Insecticons arrived, and, and quite frankly, are impressed at how many energon cubes have been made. And Megatron is just kind of standing by a wall. In a perfect world, he would have had a cigarette break, because that's what it
1: looked like he was going to be having right there. And he yeah, just kind yeah. of said, "God." <laughs> I so, say, yeah, he's definitely just having his chill out moment. He's just like, probably got some headphones in, listening, listen to this podcast. Just like, hey, this is, <laughs> this is this is this is my lunch break. Like, don't bother me if anybody calls. You know, I'm not here. It's the most chill I've ever seen Megatron. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he basically tells the Insecticons, "Hey, look, there's a big tanker over there. Why don't you go dig some holes in that and and you know, basically drink some oil? You know, replenish yourselves." And Insecticons are like. and go over to it and just start guzzling down loads of oil. But it must be noted that while they're guzzling the oil, a lot of it's just kind of dripping out the side of the boat, and it's going into the ocean. That will become important in a few minutes. At this point, Skyfire arrives, and knocks two of the Insecticons into the sea, but the third one, who I think was Shrapnel, tries to fire at Skyfire, and then the other Insecticons are basically like,
1: THE HECK ARE YOU DOING?! Do you know what's gonna happen if you hit the oil idiot <laughs> yeah which which is, is particularly hypocritical on bombshell's part given that he was like breathing fire like literally two seconds before that <laughs> it's can't... like you know you, you can't you can't really throw stones in that glass house bombshell you would probably do something even more dangerous just there <laughs> the remaining Autobots arrive and the firefight begins
0: but the presence of the Insecticons is isn't something the Autobots are used to. So they're hiding behind some crates, but the Insecticons, who are all in the ocean at this point, just kind of crawl out and sneak up on them, on the little sort of dock pier thing that they're on. And they get surprised attack and end up in the oily water. Prime noting at this point, there is a potential inferno here. Thundercracker gives the Autobots a warm welcome, literally, by shooting some fire at them. And then the Autobots go underwater, and on the little sort of decking pier thing that Thundercracker is standing on. The Autobots basically just jump up underneath him and just push him up in the air in unison. It's a great little bit of animation and then Thundercracker just falls into the fiery water. Just a great little moment there.
1: It looked really cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is fantastic and it's, it's a, again, it's one of those really good, like, turnaround moments of Thundercrackers just like, yeah, I'm just gonna set you guys on fire and it's like, oh no, now I'm in the fire. This, is, this has ended poorly for me. But now the tanker is leaking oil, and is and the
0: fire. Sorry, the tanker is still leaking oil, and the fire is getting closer to the tanker. Obviously, there is a problem here. In comes Ironhide to try and put out the fire because I forget Andy how many abilities Ironhide has.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. I mean that that chest cavity's got to have a lot of different liquids and like compounds in it because he's got something something for every occasion that he can spray to fix the problem. Apart from Bug Spray, apparently, because if he'd have had that, maybe he could have defeated the Insecticons.
0: There you go. See? It's the one thing Teletran didn't think of (laughs) when he was doing all the 3D printing. Suddenly, a giant storm cloud arrives, and the Insecticons are very happy because they have a plan. What they do is harness the power of a lightning bolt to basically supercharge them, kind of akin to what Megatron was doing in the last episode of just being a bit OP. And because the Insecticons aren't OP enough, They're now super overpowered, just to make it even better. And they're, like, firing, like, lightning rays, like they're doing, like, the equipment of a fireball in, like, Street Fighter or something. It is... It's stupid mental. It's great. Spike has a moment of genius, though, by telling the Autobots to remain transformed because their tyres are rubber, therefore will earth them so that the lightning bolts won't affect them. And what we now see, Andy... It's potentially one of my favorite moments of the series once again because we see i want to say it was Wheeljack and prime effectively like rollerblading on a couple of autobots <laughs> to stay yes, earthed yeah. while they were being hit
1: it was just a great visual a little bit ludicrous but wonderful <laughs> yeah again this whole sequence of events is really cool because yeah when the storm comes in Again, it's a really good moment of not show of the writers not showing their hand too early because like, you know, you see the Insecticons getting excited like, that's great, we've won. That's it. Job done. And like, you know, like Megatron the Deception, like, what are you on about? It's just some storm clouds. Like that's not like what what are you going to do? Rain the Autobots to death? And they're like, "No, just wait and see." And then yeah, you, you get to see, you know, them harnessing that, which is really cool. Again, you get a really good uh, a really good back and forth where like I think it's I think it's Shrapnel who just like tastes the lightning to Wheeljack and he just gets blown back and just says, That tastes terrible. And it's like that's <laughs> that's a good that's a good comeback. So yeah, you get all of that. And then uh, as a kid, like, this was how I learned about being earthed and about like, you know, being insulated from electricity and that rubber insulates you from electricity. And I was just like I mean I'm glad I didn't learn everything about science from Transformers because <laughs> I would probably have be been pretty messed up. But this is one thing I think like maybe I, I maybe like asked my parents or my parents like mentioned it while we were watching this episode. I'm like, oh, that's actually a thing. Like that's that's for real. And I'm like, What? That's amazing. Like, you know, you could be shot at by Insecticons, and as long as you're in a car, you'd be fine, and so, like, that was, I was just very excited that, like, I learned something really cool, and also seen, like, Transformers do something really cool, which, as you say, kind of, like, culminates in this whole, like, weird rollerblading thing, which is just, yeah, that whole thing is just great, and it's, it's also a really nice moment for Spike, who actually kind of, because usually in this show thus far, It's either been like Chip that has the bright ideas or Spike is just kind of uses one of his superpowers in that moment to like you know throw a rock or like you know do whatever but this was a really good just little moment of like brains from him of like no no like which makes sense because you know he's kind of well I guess less so in in this sort of in the the cartoon continuity but you know he's like a a, a, he's a mechanic son still and so it's like of course he'd understand and know about this stuff so it's, it's, it's it's a good little spike moment and he doesn't really get many of those in season one. So now at
0: this point, things are not going entirely well. So Megatron has a dastardly plan. He sets the tanker ablaze and just starts pushing it towards the refinery because it's still on top of the water. But Prime notices this, senses that the ridiculous amount of impending danger, jumps in the water and just stops it, effectively, and makes it sink. Which, good plan and bad plan, Prime, but think of the oil, just saying. Trailbreaker then interrupts the control beam for the Insecticon clones which makes all the clones just dissipate in an instant. Suddenly it's a heck of a lot more of a a level playing field. Now, Megatron is really peed at this point. He's really pissed off. And so he's going to shoot from the sea to basically just at Trailbreaker or someone. Which then, like Aquaman, Optimus Prime appears out of the ocean holding the tanker (laughs) above his
1: head, and just throws it at Megatron. (laughs) Freaking great. (laughs) So good. I mean, yeah, again, like, totally see why I love this episode, because, like, almost every set-piece moment is really cool in some shape or form, and, yeah, just, like, Optimus Prime just throwing an entire oil tanker at Megatron is pretty, pretty up there as well. Then in one of
0: the biggest and most interesting twists, I think, in the entire series so far, the Insecticons decide that Megatron is not a good ally and that they're actually far better off just sorting themselves out like they have been. They've done it pretty well up till now. So they proceed just to go and start gnawing on all the Energon cubes that have been made, just basically taking a bunch for themselves, and then they just clear off when they're being attacked. And then the other Decepticons, well, sorry, Megatron is furious as I mentioned at this point because he's like the heck we befriended that what the heck are you doing and then they go after and chase them and that's ultimately how this battle ends which I think is a really fun twist Andy in that there's almost a mini Decepticon civil war going on now or at the very least if they're gonna work together in the future they're never gonna be like proper tight buddy buddy it'll be like this is business
1: yeah, yeah, and, 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 I, and I like the way that the, the finale for the Insecticons is basically the equivalent of, like, taking a bite out of somebody else's meal and then leaving them the rest. <laughs> and it's just like, there you go, I'm done now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's a good, it, it, it's a weird ending because in one way it's kind of, it is a typical Transformers thing where it has to be a little bit anticlimactic because you can't really have you know one side defeat the other completely, and you know you don't get to see you know what would have happened next with the Autobots fighting these guys. But it works pretty well as a as a way to, to close things off, and it's kind of entertaining to see the the Decepticons who were quite happy to have the Insecticons on board up to that moment suddenly be like, hey, come back! You just let all our energy on. And then there's a little bit of a conversation
0: that happens here, because the Autobots are kind of like, oh, good, the battle's over. You know, yay, but the war isn't done yet type thing. And then Spike says something, which the Autobots respond with, ah, that's you talking like a real Autobot there. And then Wheeljack throws out a line about potentially, you know, making him some kind of Autobot body in the future, so he could be a car. And then Spike's sort of going, um, maybe when I'm old enough to drive
1: yeah and then there's like a there's like a big old chuckle at that point, yeah or or maybe maybe you can do that for my son, he could have said if he really wanted to foreshadow the <laughs> events of Transformers the movie, um but yeah like this this will be my final Timmy Mallet reference in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Um, because I, I, I have a vivid recollection because the final lines of this episode is Will Jack being uh, at the back of that, like, maybe when I'm older, like, you've got yourself a deal. And I remember that then cutting to Timmy Mallet just aping that line and being like, you've got yourself a deal. And then whatever happened next in that. And I, I, I think, again, because I've recorded this off of the TV, this episode, I just vividly recall that being the end of the episode of, like, Timmy Mallet just repeating Will closing line. <laughs>
0: So, and also in a weird sort of way, not to kind of spoil things for where things go next, this little conversation
1: is a bit of foreshadowing for what occurs very early on in Season 2 of Memory Serves. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know one of the early Season 2 episodes is called Autobot Spike, so, uh, yeah, like I suspect, again, whether this was actual foreshadowing or somebody being like, actually, that's not a bad idea, or whether it's just completely coincidental, who knows, maybe we will see when we watch that episode exactly so andy
0: let's let's sort of wrap up the season one discussion if you will start off with let's talk about this
1: episode first of all and then just season one as a whole so thoughts on this episode yeah it's still like one of my favorites i I think you know the ultimate doom is like my favorite as like an all-encompassing really big like blockbuster story over multiple episodes but if you gave me this entire season on like a box set or whatever and said right you've got like we 've got 20 minutes which episode are we gonna watch this would be the one that I'd pick um, because it's it's really it's really great like you know in terms of, of the the insecticons all of the set piece stuff is really good it's a really smartly plotted out episode that has lots of cool ideas and abilities and kind of the whole back and forth of like you know the final battle is really good um, and it's, it's I I feel like it's another one of the better episodes animated episodes as well like it sort of feels like it has a kind of energy to it and has some some really cool kind of visual ideas to it at the same time so uh, so yeah i absolutely love this episode so it's still great and i i need to i need to drag out my shrapnel toy from from my, my box of transformers just to just for, for for nostalgia's sake having watched that this was really good fun and
0: the amount of the amount of set pieces that happen, like even just, just Prime throwing the freaking tanker at Megatron. In a weird way, I can understand why this is the finale episode. Because just from a set piece point of view, so much happens in this episode. And, and the way it leaves off, it does actually kind of, like I said, is there going to be like a little Decepticon Civil War type thing? It It leaves a lot of stuff open-ended to where you'd want to come back next time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think it's kind of, again, the the nice thing about all these kind of shows is because every episode almost has to end in that way. You can see how they can, like, juggle the order around however they like, because it always kind of works. I mean, part of me wonders if if part of this was just down to... Trying to time it against the release of the Insecticon toys or something that they were maybe you know they came because you know they certainly weren't in the initial batch of of Transformers so you know I wonder whether those are like look we've got to we've got to make this the last episode because that's when they'll be you know shipping, um, but uh, but yeah it's it's, uh, it's it's a really great episode so uh, it was it was really nice to to revisit this one, hmm. so buddy season one as a whole. What
0: did you think watching it back? Because for, for you, obviously, it's a giant load of nostalgia for the season. For me, probably less so, because I sort of vaguely remember more of season two. But for you, how was it going back watching all of season
1: one over the past few weeks? Yeah, it's, it's really good. Like, I mean, for me, with all of that nostalgia and what have you, it, it holds up. Like, I suspect maybe if, you know, you, you came to it now, like, you know, probably if you sat a six-year-old in front of this series now, I'm not sure it would, like, hit with them quite as well. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, it's really good. Like, it doesn't, none of its episodes are terrible, particularly. Like, you know, it has a few that are maybe a bit kind of basic, but, like, every episode sort of does what it sets out to do pretty nicely. And, you know, it has a lot of very good episodes in the midst of that. Like, you know, The Ultimate Doom is still really good. You know, this this episode was, was great and there are plenty of kind of pretty strong episodes that either have a lot of really good moments or they're just generally good from a like story and kind of character perspective so yeah like it's I, I feel like you know this this first season as a whole like is a really good showcase of like a good 80s cartoon and it really kind of like you know hits all the points that it, it needs to so yeah it, it was it was good watching this again and being like yeah this is I'm still so confident that this is this is a pretty good series like for, for all of its errors and you know the the plot holes we can pick apart with it like as a whole as a, as a, a good fun cartoon it it really it still works.
0: Yeah, I I really enjoyed watching this and it, in a weird sort of way I kind of wish we'd have watched it in the production order or or in a, in, a, in the the continuity order if i call it that because there were there was just some some glaring moments where for me it it's not that it necessarily took me out of it but it was just that kind of thing of oh uh, what and it just sort of catches you off guard and uh, and sometimes it it just takes me out of it. it's a weird thing with me but overall really really enjoyed this i i do have a clamoring for them to show more backstory which I appreciate from what you've said is something that is delved into more in the comics side of things, which I never I never read, so I'm not familiar with all those older comics. But I I, I don't remember if any of that really happened in Season 2 or not. Obviously, there are more characters that come into play in Season 2. I know that much off the top of my head. But uh, I do have a clamoring just to learn more backstory in this cartoon, yeah. kind of see how they would do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do remember that there are definitely some pretty deep backstory stories in season two, like, you know, there's stuff like the key to Vector Sigma and what have you that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, diverges massively from, like, what the comics set up as the, the, you know, the sort of the origins of Cybertron, but it definitely goes, it, it heads to Cybertron a bit more, it does some stuff with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, it's it, it is nice when the, the cartoon touches on that as well. Um, and again, it's sort of Weird, you know, even watching these episodes, some of the, the comparison points, because there's a, a a relatively brief story arc in the, 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 the Marvel comics where basically Optimus Prime and Megatron kind of do the dual thing that they do in Heavy Metal War, except it's all done within a video game, uh, which is hmm. kind of like weirdly ahead of its time for like mid-80s. And that that plays with a similar idea really interestingly, because at the end of that story like Optimus Prime knows that Megatron has cheated but still accepts defeat because he does something within the game that endangers the NPCs in that game basically and he says right like, well Megatron may have cheated to win but I basically kind of like gave up part of what makes me an Autobot therefore I lost which means he gets blown up and killed. and and, and he dies in the in the comics and they bl- they blast his body into space oh my God. Um, which, yeah, like, you know, the, the, the UK comics, did uh, the comics in general, did not mess around. Um, and and like, like, likewise, in a similar tone like, the, the one thing that Bombshell doesn't get in this Plague of Insecticons episode that he gets in the comics, and I don't know whether, like, he comes back in the, the cartoon at all, is he has what are, are called cerebro shells that are basically like the same as the hypno chip that you see in, in episode 1 uh, that he can use to like mind control people or transformers Um and it's particularly creepy in the comics because like he gets into insect mode, becomes tiny and then basically like literally injects it under the skin and there's some quite like gruesome, like uh like kid kid me was not particularly impressed with that um but yeah like you know th- th- those are the kind of interesting things that the comics did that that, that, that the cartoon doesn't which which also lands like there's one really smartly written story in the the UK like comics continuity where bombshell like mind control i forget what the exact set, set of circumstances is but bombshell mind controls another transformer And I forget what the machinations are, but it basically leaves Ravage completely mindless. And Mm. it's just, like, it's really, like, dark end where, like, Ravage is just, like, wrecked because, like, he has no mind. Because I think he has some, like, weird mind control thing that he transfers into, like roller which again like one of the few times roller appears in in, in anything (laughs) um and so like yeah like ravage just ends up mindless and that was another like mind-blowing moment for me as a kid of like wow this is dark um and then of course like ravage comes back like two weeks later and it's like he's fine but because it's like (laughs) somebody probably had words of like we still need to sell that toy you realize you're gonna have to just like wreck on this bring him Um, back bring him back which is which is also, if I recall, the, the same story that has Ronald Reagan in it, as I mentioned in the previous episode. So it was all going on in that one. My word.
0: <laughs> but you know what, mate? So, like I say, had great fun watching season one. But next up, Andy, is season two. We have made it to the second season of the Transformers cartoon. And now I'm going to quickly dive into the internet and see well this is somewhat apt uh the first three episodes of season two which hindsight being 2020 20, for those watching the youtube version i do i'm saying on screen season two episodes one to three andy we should probably decide this now are we gonna refer to the episodes continuing the numbering so like 17 onwards or are we gonna start just saying season two
1: episode one to three like how do we want to do this numbering I think we should probably do it as like season two episodes one to three, just for sanity's sake. Good, um, and, Good. and 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 also, and also, my 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 counter question is: are, are we only doing one to three because there's a two-parter in in there that is episodes three and four? Oh, I didn't realise that. I just by default went through. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think we might actually want to go to a, a four episode cadence for, for season two because there are a few multi-part stories that, that we'll have to, to fit in there. Well, I, I will change that graphic then. As it were. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do four then. Let, let's make it four. So
0: we'll be doing episodes one to four of season two. And the, the, uh, the names of the episodes, Andy, are as follows. Autobot Spike, <laughs> the first one. Then the Immobilizer. Then Dinobot Island, Part One and Part Two. I, I'm, I don't know why. I'm far, I'm really excited about seeing season two because it's the season that I have most memories of. And admittedly, it may not be that many memories in hindsight, but it's the season I have the most affinity with. So I'm looking forward to delving into that and. We should say, Andy, like, we both have heard things that there is potentially some real dross in season two. Like, we're not afraid of that. We're, we're just going to cover it how we cover it and just see how things go. But we're going to do the whole season. That is the plan. We're going mm, right yeah. the way through. And we've got... How many episodes are there in season two? I need to actually check this.
1: Uh Oh my god, there's <laughs> there's 49 episodes in season two. yep yep it's uh, it's, it's almost the same length as a Gundam series with with just as much quality I'm sure and just as many giant robots Uh, yeah I mean definitely more (laughs) giant robots I'm gonna say than Gundam so there we go folks we'll be covering the first four
0: episodes of season two in our next episode Andy before we close out today any additional notes you wanted to make mention of anything that just didn't come up in conversation that you wanted to, to impart on everybody
1: no, I mean, I will state for the record, I am frightened about us watching all of season two episodes. Um, so, you know, just, just, just to put that out there. Um, but no, I, it, it might be an interesting role reversal, because I feel like, barring a few episodes that I kind of caught VHS tapes of, I have not really seen any of season two, I don't think. And again, I may be misremembering, and I've seen more of it than I, I care to remember, but I am pretty sure I have only seen like a sparse few episodes here and there that I managed to find on tape because this this season was never broadcast on on UK TV as was season 3 so kind of that's why season 1 was my bread and butter because it was right there with with Timmy mallet definitely my last mention of Timmy Mallett <laughs> um, um but but yeah so so like from that point forth it was like it was kind of unless you know you had the right you know It wasn't even Blockbuster at the time. But if you had the right video rental store, then maybe you'd get a lot of Transformers. But I I feel like I I never did in my my neck of the woods. So I had to, you know, pilfer other lesser cartoons for my, like, weekend entertainment.
0: It makes me wonder, actually, I might have to ask my mother or something, but it makes me wonder how I have such strong memories of season two then if it was only released on VHS and not shown on TV. Yeah. Because that's what I remember, like, that's what I remember various things. From. I don't necessarily know from what episodes, but I have many memories of
1: season two, like yeah. specifically. Uh, I- I, I would very much suspect that it's probably off of just like renting stuff from your local video rental store because a lot of the episodes got released in the UK over here because they weren't on broadcast TV. Like, they never really bothered with the season one episodes for the most part because it's they were just airing on TV constantly in rotation for years, mm. whereas the later seasons, it was like, it was kind of a better money-making opportunity because it was the only way to see them. Um, and I think some of them were even kind of you know, sold that way of just like, you know, previously unaired and it was sort of, you know, your 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 one your your one and only chance to see those those apps.
0: Yeah, before the days where you could just go online and watch them on YouTube, like we're doing on the Hasbro Pulse YouTube channel. So, folks, get in on the action. You can if you want to go back and rewatch season one, go for it and you can hear us talk about it again. And then get ready for season two, because next time, as mentioned, we will be talking about the first four episodes of season two from my point of view andy again just really enjoyed going through season one and it's been really good fun doing it in this like just just going through them actually you know what andy this is an important question we will end the episode on are we going by
1: broadcast order for season two or do we want to go by production order no, I think we should stick with broadcast order. Let, let's start where we ended. I mean, the production order for season two is even more of a mess because I think, like, episode two in production order is, like, way down, like, in the midst of the season. Uh, but I think, there's, I think there's far less kind of, you know, there are a few two-parters in there, but I think there's far less well we shall see but i think there's far less continuity in these so i don't mm. think it'll be quite as weird but you know we'll maybe i'll regret saying that in a few episodes time which we shall see <laughs> Well, folks, thank you very much for checking out this edition of the podcast.
0: We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with us, don't forget that we are on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Pod on both of those platforms. And you can drop us an email if you feel so inclined on StarscreamsGhostPod at gmail.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening and or watching if you're on YouTube, this edition of the podcast. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Mr. Andy Hanley, you've been listening to Starscream's Ghost, a Transformers podcast. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye, everyone.